Hi, you're listening to Pink Space Dream with Beck. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. I am so excited to be with you here tonight. Um, It is a Saturday night. It's been about a week since the last episode I recorded. Normally, I've just been recording whenever I feel like it, which is totally fine. But I think that the episodes I've been doing lately have just been very reflective on in the moment. Uh, This week, I wanted to slow it down. And first, before I even record, live in the moment. Be present in my day-to-day work, whatever, social life. Um, And then you know, record. So I I wanted to do both type of episodes. So I'm just trying to keep the balance going. Um, I actually had some topics I wanted to hit. And I told myself that there were these big topics on my mind I wanted to hit this weekend. But I feel like they need a little more development. I don't want to rush these, especially because I have been wanting to do these since I started the podcast. Um, I feel like I'm being really vague. I'll just kind of give a little tidbit. But I've been wanting to talk about um, when I knew to get professional help and just kind of destigmatizing counseling, therapy, um, anything under that that umbrella. And then I have another episode I've been wanting to do on prayer as a lifestyle, um, not necessarily self-care, but um, just, just what that influence has been on in my life. But... I really want to hit those hards. I I really feel like those are going to be longer episodes. And for tonight, I just kind of wanted to get back to looking at that 50 ways to take a break um, infographic. And I actually did a little bit of of research. Well, I say research. It it was a couple clicks. But (laughs) so I I just want to give credit where credit's due. That um, infographic, 50 ways to take a break, it's actually by psychologist and author uh, Karen Hornifer Ginter, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and she just, a lot of her works are on um, being present in the moment and slowing down and not getting caught up in the busy busyness, which is what this podcast is all about, so yay! <laughs> so I wanted to kind of break this, this episode into two sections. The first section I wanted to, or excuse me, the first segment I want to do is going to be from that list. Uh, because I did a lot of deep breathing this week, and that's one of the um, activities or strategies on the list is take deep breaths. And then for the second half, um, I'd like to reflect on the intentions that I set in the previous episode. For those of you that have been following the podcast, this is activity number three off of 50 Ways to Take a Break. Taking deep breaths. So this is something that we are told to do from the time that we're very young and we have crying, uh, crying fits, tantrums, or um, big events coming up, maybe like a sporting event. And we're taught very early, very young to take deep breaths. So why is this something that I still struggle with? (laughs) I think one thing that we've talked a little bit about on the podcast is being present in the moment and having that mindfulness when you are doing these activities because breathing is something we do every day. Um, And taking deep breaths, you know, it's, I don't know, I've been reflecting on, like, my childhood, of course. I feel like that's always the starting place to see where this 
this self-care strategy has followed me throughout my life. So when I look back on my childhood, I was a very emotional and sensitive child. And, you know, these are the years that shape us. So I'm sure you, you probably were too. That's what children do. But I remember some of these significant moments that are, you know, destined to shape me. And I was just, I, I just felt like I was just always crying about something. I was very sensitive to where, I don't know, if my friends didn't want to play with me one time, you know, it was the end of the world. Or if I was stuck on my homework or I was, you know, my hand was hurting or whatever, it, like from writing on my homework, it just felt like the end of the world. Um, I don't know, maybe I was dramatic too, that, that could be part of it. Um, but I just remember being like very like hysterical and crying a lot and my parents, um, you know, I was their first kid, so no, you know, all is, all is forgiven, but <laughs> I just remember they were very, like, hard on me when I was emotional, um, to where, and, and it could be just, like, our culture, too, um, but, like, tears were essentially, like, a weakness, which is not true at all, please don't think that, um, but that's just kind of the way I was raised, where tears are a sign of weakness, and so the first thing that they would have me do is, you know, control my breathing because if I'm you know sobbing and like inhaling like non-stop to where I don't exhale take that deep breath then nothing's getting done like I'm not thinking clearly and you know now that I'm older I kind of understand why they would start me with my breathing but also me being very stubborn if they were kind of like getting frustrated and telling me like control my breathing then no, I, I don't want to control my breathing. I'm going to stay here and finish my cry. Um, <laughs> and do I still have traits like that today? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but really, if you think about it, we're taught to do this at a very young age because that's just part of, of developing as, as a person to be taking deep breaths because that helps regulate your emotions it helps you think clearly. Um, it helps bring you back to the present moment. And even though we're taught to do this very young, I feel like it really has to be a practice, like a lifestyle practice to be um, mindful and, and taking deep breaths when we are in times of trouble. Uh, for example, it wasn't maybe till high school where I got some real breathing strategies. Um, I hadn't gotten assessed for my mental health, mental illness yet. Um, excuse me, sorry, it's kind of a hard topic. Um, but I hadn't been assessed yet. But there was still just like a lot of high stressors and just times where I would get very overwhelmed. I was learning for the first time what it meant to be a leader and um, I just, I did a lot with my peers um, as far as like, I don't know, like church activities and, and just always having something to do every day after school. And so I remember there was this one particular meeting where I was really, really, really stressed out and I just felt like I wasn't being heard, um, I wasn't being... I don't know, respected, and it just, I was maybe 
this was probably my senior year, so I was maybe like 18. Wow, okay. And I'm like ready to lose my cool. I've just, you know, it's like a Thursday night, it's late. I just want things to go smoothly. And so I think I step out of the room or something, but I have one of my my older friends pull me aside. Um, she's like a really great mentor to me, but she tells me, uh, really, she gives me this tool, uh, which I still use to this day, but she tells me, take breaths, deep breaths, you know, with me, but in threes. So I'm going to inhale for three seconds, hold it for three seconds, and exhale for three seconds. And I'll do that three times. So we did it together, and she asked if I felt better. I said, yes, I feel better. And we went back, and we kind of gave the group, like, a reality check, and everything, the, the rest of the night went smooth, from what I remember. So <laughs> um, that was the first, like, real breathing tool that I had to where I was um, it helped me become a little more self-aware of my own emotions to where if I was ever in high, high stress situations, um, like leadership or testing or, I don't know, around that time I was getting ready for college, which terrified the heck out of me. And so when I would get nervous, that was my new breathing strategy. And so that was a really significant moment in my uh what would you call it, in my mental wellness journey because that was one of the first tools I had to where I understood I had that mindfulness approach that when I do this, um, my mind is going to be clear after I do this. I am doing this exercise to better myself and to better my head. And it, it was more than just, you know, oh, I feel, I feel stressed. Let me just take a deep breath real quick. No, it was something to where here's the routine and you're going to take your time and after this is done, you know, you got to move on. You got you have other things to be doing. And so it really helped I that one in particular. I I I <laughs> sorry. I'm just really nervous but also excited. Um so that was a really significant strategy that I still use to this day. And I actually started doing it with my students, uh, that particular one, this week. So, yes, um, really, really amazing stuff. What, uh, what my school is pushing right now, we're starting to do mindfulness training as a staff to where there's this great program. Um, there's this local organization to where they work with parents and daycares and schools and they teach the staff how to practice mindfulness and how to teach children mindfulness. And it's, it's amazing because half the things they do, I'm like, wait a minute, I've needed these strategies for me. So, <laughs> and it's a 10-week training, so it's like every Monday I stay after work and we get on Zoom and we'll, we'll take this training together. So it's week two. Yes, we've had two weeks of it already. And I've got to say, it really helps me put in perspective what I want to do for the kids 
because like I just shared some of my own childhood experiences, uh, there are so many coping mechanisms and stress, um, excuse me, mindfulness activities I could have been doing in my, in my youth uh, or in my, I don't know, early education days to where um, I feel like they would have definitely helped me manage my anxiety a lot sooner. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why I love teaching is because not, not only do I love learning, but I also believe that learning isn't going to happen if you don't have a safe space. And if you, you know, don't feel safe, then your needs aren't being met and you're not going to feel like you can, you can take information. If, and I want to establish my room as a safe space. I want my students' own heads to be a safe space. I want to be a safe space for them. So I think by promoting the, these mindfulness activities, I think that they, they, I guess, are empowered to be risk takers and to share in class because um, they know how to handle their emotions if they get frustrated with themselves or with another peer. And I just try to establish respect for themselves and each other all around. Um, and that's just one of my, my teaching philosophies. I just think that if we are socially responsible to one another and we take care of our own selves or I, I show them how to manage emotions and stress, um, it just promotes overall um, happiness in the classroom. Um, I just want to promote uh, positive well-being of the mind, body, um, and their spirit indirectly. Um, <laughs> so that so that that is just kind of an overview of what I've been doing, and that's also one of the things that inspired me to take this week off off recording to just. Be, be present, be in the moment, try these strategies with my students and see what works. So this week I, I taught them how to do the inhale, exhale, but for the three, the three seconds. Uh, the way that my training taught me to do this, um, they changed up the, the times. So they have, I think it's a three, no, it's a four, five, six. So you inhale for four, hold for five, and exhale for six and there's a whole like reasoning behind it I forget why um, but I don't like messing up the numbers and I don't like stuttering when I'm when I'm trying to be confident and be um, kind of that rock when I like if I'm gonna lead my students in, in a meditation I need to be confident in what I'm doing and I need to be there that rock for them um, that stability to guide them through this and, and allow them to explore their emotions. So in that moment, you know, it, I don't want to be saying three and then I go, oh, oops, it's actually a four, five, six. So I'm just going to do the three. I didn't need to say all that, but I did. Okay. <laughs> silly, silly me. Sometimes I think that maybe it would be best if I just got a script, but I like having these conversations um, organically and authentically. So anyway, one thing they taught us how to do is the brain train, and I hadn't heard of this one, but it's really great for the kiddos. It's three times a day, uh, preferably at the beginning, middle, and end of the day. 
and they gave me a couple tools to make it happen and to enhance the experience for the students. But we have a couple substitutes or um, things you can do instead if you don't have these tools. And so this is something that I might do in my own time to, as well. So the way it works is I tell them to turn on their mindful bodies. That just means make sure you're in a position to where you're not slouched or you're not fully at attention. So they, if they're sitting on, the, on a chair, they place their feet flat on the floor and they stretch their spines. Because I teach elementary, I tell them that there's a string on their head and they need to pull it to stretch their spines, make sure it's as straight as can be. And after that, we'll do our breathing exercise. And this is the breathing portion. So I take the ball and I expand it and that's their inhale. And I lead them through that. But if they don't have that ball, or they don't because it's COVID and I'm not gonna, right, so anyway. <laughs> what I do is I have their hands and I tell them they can use their hands to make to make like an invisible ball or pretend they're holding a ball and when they inhale they're going to expand their hands to stretch it and then they'll hold of course and then to exhale the release they're going to close it up so it's something that they can do to help visualize and also make sure that their attention is on their breath so we do that for three times I tell them inhale they stretch their hands, I tell them exhale, they close it back up. After that, and this is nice for me as a teacher because this is my way to make sure that they are ready to focus back on whatever task it is we're doing. If you wanted to try this at home, or um, I'll tell you a substitute in just a moment, but if you wanted to do also just a little attention grab for yourself, if you're like studying or you're in the middle of work and you wanna make sure that your mind is on and activated and ready to go. This is a, another way to do that. So I close up the meditation by telling them, okay, I have this chime. They gave me a really cool chime. I'm gonna ring the chime and whenever the students, whenever you can't hear it ring anymore, you're gonna raise your hand. And like I said, this is just to make sure that their brains are activated, ready to go for the lesson and that they're sharp and um, you have to really listen close for when the chime stops, just like any other instrument. So I do that and the meditation is done. Pretty cool. That is called the brain train. A substitute because I'm sure we don't just all carry chimes in our purse or whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is what they told me in the training. You can have them listen. Just listen to any sounds, any background sounds that they hear, and um, so they need to pick, I would say, like three sounds that are around them, and like I said, the whole point is just to make sure your focus is on and your attention is ready to go for whatever task you're on. So once you hear three sounds, um, you may open your eyes or um, turn off your mind, your mindful body and, and get back to what you're going to be doing. One thing that, um, and this was actually the, one of the first things I did. So the first time I had gone to counseling in college, one of the strategies, this was also very similar. We had done something really similar to this and I haven't tried it with my kids yet, but I'd like to. So what, um, my counselor told me, she said, all right, uh, what's your favorite color? And I was like, oh, a light pink. And she's like, okay, here's what I like to do. When 
whenever you're kind of in a pinch and you don't feel safe um, or just kind of like you're having trouble like regulating your breathing, um, in order to calm down, you need to familiarize yourself with your surroundings. And the way to do that is whatever your favorite color is, look around the room and find five things that are of that color. So I can do it right now too. Um, so if I'm looking, at, in, I'm in Marcos's room, he's at work, but I see big Kirby, he's pink. Um, there's a fish, a beta fish, Houdini, and he has a little like fake flower in his tank. So that's pink. Um, what else is pink? My socks, they have little watermelons on them. Mm, let's see, pink, 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 pink. I'm looking for pink around the room. Um, my chip nail polish. <laughs> and, oh, he has a box of tea. He has a box of tea sitting out. It's pomegranate. It's a pomegranate Tazo, I think. This is a great strategy to use if I'm driving and I can't necessarily do the tactile part of taking my hands and inhaling and exhaling, visualizing it in that way. It's still visual and it's nice because if I'm driving, the scenery is always changing. So if I don't find my five pink things right away, I can wait till something else comes as I'm driving. Um, and, it, and there's no rush. You can take your time when finding the things that are of your favorite color. So it's really on your time. You're able to slow your breath. Another strategy I picked up is the five finger breathing technique. And I found this one through a training I did about a year ago. It's, it was a mental health first aid training. And so the way this one works is you take your hand and you have your other hand with one finger for tracing and you're gonna trace your hand. And so when you go up a finger, you inhale. When you get towards the top, you hold it. And then as you're going down your finger, you're going to exhale. And you do that for all five fingers. And if you're, you're, you're still not calm by the time you get to the end, you just start over. And this one I have used with my students. If I find that a student is having trouble controlling their emotions, I'll show them this one to encourage them to use it uh, during class time or if they're ever overwhelmed in the middle of instruction and I can't get to them right away. And it's nice because... They can do this under their, de their desks, and all I have to do is see it, and then I'll know they're kind of non-verbally telling me that they're overwhelmed and they need to take a breather. And so that's when I know to kind of back off, make sure I don't call on them for anything, and make sure they have that time to process in a healthy way. On an unrelated note, I apologize about the dramatic volume change and... Um, if you hear any dogs in the background, I did a location change. <laughs> so I'm at my house, everyone's sleeping, and my dogs are also sleeping and snoring and snoring. <laughs> so thank you for bearing with me. But I'm really in the podcast flow, so I didn't want to lose it. So going on to the second thing I wanted to talk about, I, last podcast, I had kind of a tough week and I was processing and I set some goals for myself and, and that goal primarily was that I'm going to be better at reaching out 
because with this new job, that's one of my big stressors is that if I'm, I'm okay asking for help if I know the right questions. If I'm just lost or I don't have any idea of what I'm doing, I'll just, I just won't ask for help and I'll just kind of wait till I'm drowning and even when I'm drowning, if I still don't have it my way to where I'll ask for help in my way, then I just won't do it. So I told myself I'm going to be better about it this week. And I'd say I definitely made some big improvements. So I'll give you a little bit of a rundown. So what I did was I started doing a lot of my planning early in the week. Whenever it was time to work on something, I stayed on task. And that was just a big help. Um, I get sidetracked really easily. But because I didn't want to take a whole lot of work home with me, I was very focused when I did have some time at work to get things done. And on top of that, one thing I found is that I was going to bed a lot earlier. I wasn't Because I wasn't taking so much work home with me, I wasn't staying up late trying to cram to make sure everything's perfect for the next morning. And because I didn't leave a lot of work till the last minute, I, I got some sleep back that I needed and I would go in every morning feeling fresh and I knew that I had my co-teacher to lean on and I did ask questions that were relevant and even when I was a little lost, I still was able to express that, hey, I feel a little lost right now or, or I would just try to give feedback throughout the day so that way when I wasn't feeling so good, I kind of already knew how to articulate what the strengths of my week. So that kind of helped me figure out how to say the things I wanted to improve on in that week or in that day. I, I thought it was going to take a lot longer than that to elaborate on here, but, you know, we're already kind of running over the 25-ish. I don't know. I don't really put a time range on the podcast. I just talk um, and funny thing is I'm learning about myself. I can talk a long time. Wow. <laughs> so my challenge to you is to find some time this week to take a breather, whether you are doing a strategy I listed or just maintaining that mindfulness of place and time and using that to give yourself some perspective on the here and now. And I know personally for me, I need to take those breathers and remember that the outside factors that I cannot control, I can't control them. So all I can focus on is what I am in control of in the moment. And that's something that I need to be giving my perspective. I need to be, excuse me, getting perspective on when I am doing my mindful, mindfulness breathing practices. So I hope this helps you and in, in like I said, it's not going to be a one-time thing for my students. You know, we have to implement this mindfulness brain train three times a day for five days a week. And it, it's not just a one-time, oh, I feel better. It's a practice. It's something that you have to learn how to do in order to manage yourself in high-stress situations. So definitely give it a try. Let me know how it goes. Also, news, I made an Instagram account for the podcast. It is Pink Space Dream, literally just at Pink Space Dream, nothing fancy to it. I don't know what I'm going to use it for. 
Um, <laughs> but thank you to those that have supported the podcast this far. I really appreciate it, and I'm having a lot of fun. And it, it's definitely a push, I think, to to practice mindfulness and find things to reflect on. Because I, I do naturally tend to reflect on things, but I, f- I finally feel like I have an outlet where I can express it and I'm, and I'm enjoying it and I'm finding out a lot of neat stuff about myself and I hope you're learning things about yourself too. So thank you for listening to Pink Space Dream and I look forward to seeing you guys in the next one.